Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Tellich Talks. And I'm really excited to have you listen to my conversation with a guy I respect quite a great deal. His name is Cecil Shorts. NFL football fans certainly know what Cecil Shorts was able to do in his career. He came out of Collinwood High School here in Cleveland, went to Mount Union, and was part of all of those championships that they had at Mount Union. He kind of reinvented himself at Mount Union to star there, put himself in a position to get to the NFL from the Division Three level. It certainly doesn't happen every day. Had a very nice career with several teams until a devastating knee injury. He uh, blew up his MCL, his PCL, his ACL, every CL that you can pretty much figure. Uh, he had happened to him about two and a half years ago, and certainly the writing was on the wall that the career was over. But we had a great conversation about his roots here, about being the son of a coach, and about being the father of seven kids, of which the most recent addition was triplets. Just a real interesting guy that I respect because he comes from a very great deal of decentness. He's a decent person, a good person that wants to do well for others. And as part of that, he has put on football camps for kids, free football camps for kids in several cities. He has camps at Collinwood High School. He has one at Mount Union. He has a camp in the Houston area where he makes his home right now with his wife and his seven kids. Cecil Shorts, up close and personal on this week's edition of Tellish Talks. Have a listen. Cecil, the first thing I want to really ask you is how you were able to go from Collinwood High School to Mount Union which is a great program, but still it's D3, mm -hmm. to the NFL. How did that happen? <laughs> is that loaded enough for you or what? <laughs> you know what, to, even now I, th I think back on my journeys and you know, it's a road that I guess many people, if you had to pick a road, it probably wouldn't be that one, <laughs> to be honest. It would not, no. You know what I mean? So um, I was blessed to play under my dad at, at Collinwood. And like we mentioned this a few minutes ago, we were kind of overlooked a lot, and we, we were you know we were we were a good team. I think my best years we were seven and three, but we were never you know the powerhouses, you know the Kent McKinleys, the Glenvilles. We we were never one of those teams. Um, and then you know I kind of um, I was getting recruited by a lot of MAC schools, um, but nobody ever offered. Gotcha. So when December hit my senior year, everybody disappeared. <laughs> I remember Youngstown State. Um, they were big on me, and they actually took their – they actually were working to offer me and then decided not to mm -hmm. and asked me to walk on. Okay. And at that point, I'm like, well, you know, I think I'll get an offer from somewhere. And um, long story short, it never happened. Wow. So uh, Mount Union, I think like in February, after, after signing day passed, February, March, it was like this big Division Two, Division Three uh, fair. So my dad takes us to this fair. We meet all these schools. A lot of these schools wanted me to switch positions. I was a quarterback in high school. A lot of guys wanted me to either play running back or receiver or, or, or corner. And I'm like, no, I think I'm a quarterback. And at that time, Michael Vick was really popular. So I'm got <laughs> He was your big influence. <laughs> he was my big influence. Uh, I'm not saying I was nowhere near Michael Vick's time. I hear you. Just, you know, that was somebody I aspired to be. So I'm like, no, I'm a quarterback. That's, that's what I want to be. And Mount Union gave me the opportunity to be a quarterback. 
So I had a few Division II schools that were like, hey, we want you to come here. But like I said, they wanted me to play different positions. So I said no, decided to go to Mount Union and get an opportunity to play um, quarterback. But when I got there, my freshman year, um, there was a sophomore there that ended up being an All-American. Um, in my freshman year, I got hurt to hurt my ankle. But I, that spring, I ran track and I was an All-American in track. And they're like, hey, the fastest way for you to get on the field is to switch positions. <laughs> and that time I'm like, oh, they're like, listen, this guy's an All-American. He's a sophomore. We were redshirting you. Um, so you have an extra year. Just play receiver. Learn from this guy named Pierre Garcon. Yes. NFL player. And then, you know, we'll see what happens from there. So I'm like, okay, who's this guy named Pierre? So boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and then uh, long story short, Pierre gets drafted. Uh, 2000, I don't know, nine, I think it is, or eight. And he was a uh, six-round pick to the Indianapolis yep. Colts. So when he got drafted, that kind of opened my eyes up, like, oh, my gosh, this can really happen from a small school. From you a didn't consider the possibility before. Never even, never even thought about sure. it. You know what I mean? You're at a Division three school. You, you look – so we, we play our games on Saturday afternoons, and then we run home, run to our dorm to go watch Ohio State play at night. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So that, that's a big deal for us to watch. And we used to argue – we had a lot of Florida boys on campus, so we used to argue, you know, that was a time where Ohio State and Florida used to battle. Yeah, there was and, Urban, um, and, and Urban and Trestle. and Trestle. So we used to argue all the time who was better, Ohio or Florida. Um, but, yeah, so we used to rush back and watch the game. So when he got drafted, that kind of opened my eyes. I'm like, yo, this can really happen. So that was going into my red shirt sophomore year. I'm like, okay, I'm really going to put the effort and the time in to really pursue wide receiver and pursue this dream. Um, and long story short, you know, things worked out. But because of Pierre's success, so his first year, he didn't do much with the Colts. Um, but his second year, and I was still with Peyton Manning, his second year and third year, he really took off. Had 800 yards, yeah. um, 700 yards another year. But he really stood out in Peyton Manning's offense and really made a lot of big plays. And they had to go to the Super Bowl against the Saints and losing. But because of his success, and as you know, the NFL is a copycat league. It is. So from his success, a lot of scouts start coming back and looking like, hey, let's see if we can find another Pierre Garcon here. And at that time, I was doing really well, breaking a lot of his records being an All-American myself in football. and um, You were All-American three straight years, if I recall. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And um, it just really opened history. Like, as, as better Pierre has gotten, I mean, sorry, as, as, as much as Pierre produced, sure. more scouts and more agents. Like, my senior year, um, it was probably about 50 agents trying to get in contact with me. And this is Division three school, you know what I mean? It was a scout at practice um, almost every day. Especially in the summertime for training camp, so it was a uh, it was eye opening. It was it was crazy, and um, so it, when the scouts came, you know, I would sit down, I would talk to them. You know, they would you know some of them would, don't talk to you at all. They just watch you at practice. They evaluate you, and then when with the agents, it was so many agents. I was getting overwhelmed. I'm like, Dad, can you can you take this over? So he's like, Yes. So every agent that got in contact with me, I just send them to my dad. So my dad made a team of like. 10 people he trusted, him and my mom, and about eight other people. And they met with, oh man, probably like 40 something agents, and they narrowed it down to three. And then I came in and played like, okay, these are the three we like the best, you choose whatever wow. you wanna choose. And the same thing with the financial advisors. So, um, and then from there, I ended up choosing the agent all the way out in California. And they, to be honest, they've been the best thing 
for me. They, they've been outstanding. They've been fighting for me my whole playing career, even after my playing career. Uh, helped me get into the uh, sports radio world and um, little TV stuff here and there. And they just do an awesome, awesome job. But um, then I was blessed. So I was training in California with my agency. Then I was blessed to get drafted, long story short, fourth round. By yeah, you were, a four, you were a fourth-round <laughs> pick. So, I mean, you know, you, it's not like you were a first-round uh, draft pick. You were a fourth-rounder. Yeah. You came from a Division three school. Yeah. But you caught on real quickly. So how tough was that transition from Mount Union, which was the pinnacle of D3 football? Mm-hmm. But how tough was the transition to the NFL? And, and who kind of helped you along the way there? It's crazy. So, uh, let's see. Like you said, Mount Union is like the Alabama Division Three. Yeah, right. right? The Alabama yeah. to Clemson Division Three, always in the, t- in the title game. Um, and then from going there to, to winning every year, I think I lost three games my whole career. Wow. And then going to Jacksonville um, and winning, I think, 14 games in four years there. <laughs> but it's, it, was, it was a big difference. But the biggest challenge, honestly, was, was my, my mindset my mentality and learning how to be a pro so talent wise i was good enough to play but preparing i had to learn so my rookie year was kind of rough i ended up having only two catches for like 30 something yards but it was it was rough because i didn't know how to prepare for each sunday i didn't know how to prepare during the week i didn't know how to take care of my body and to be honest nobody in that raw receiver room the veterans were doing that either um, you had part, no role models no role models my rookie year wow to really bring me along the right way, right? So my second year comes in, and the whole coaching, that was Jack Del Rio that year, 2011. The whole staff gets fired. Another staff comes in. The receiver coach named Jerry Sullivan comes in. Okay. And I'll never forget. So that offseason, they just signed, they just drafted Justin Blackman, fifth overall pick from Oklahoma State, who was a superstar stud. Probably, I played with a lot of good receivers. Probably, in my opinion, he'll be a top five receiver today if he didn't deal with the issues he dealt with. Yeah, he had a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, they just signed a guy. Um, oh, I can't think of his name. He played in Dallas. They just signed Laurent Robinson. They signed him to a five-year, $32 million deal, and they just signed Mike Thomas, who was already on the Jaguars, to a, a three-year, $14 million deal. So those are top three receivers right there. And then a new staff comes in, and they draft who they want to draft, and they bring in who they want to bring in. So the Jerry Sullivan, the wide receiver coach, he's sitting down. He's writing on the board, depth chart. And I'll never forget, my name was the very last <laughs> name on that board. And I told myself, it was so embarrassing, and I told myself, I'm going to make this team. I'm going to make this team. I knew there wasn't no guarantee. I was a fourth-round guy right. for the whole new staff coming in, but I told myself, I'm going to make this team. And I just listened to everything Jerry Sullivan told me. And he's one of the veteran receiver coaches, been around, I mean, even coached receivers 40, 50 years. And he is well known across the NFL scene, the, the big time college scene. And he took me under my wing. He took me under his wing. Okay. And he put me under Larry Fitzgerald. So when uh, minicamp, like uh, the Browns have now, um, when minicamp was over, he sent me out to Minnesota to train with Larry Fitzgerald and um, to see how he worked to see how he took care of his body, how much time he put in. It was incredible. You would have thought he was an undrafted guy trying to make the team how hard he was working. It was, it was really incredible. And the way he took care of his body, every day he's getting treatment. He be, you know, and I always thought, if I'm not hurt, I don't need treatment. But every day he's taking care of his body, looking for um, ways to get better, um, watching film. And I did that for three or four years. So to me, Jerry Sullivan and Larry Fitzgerald are the reasons. Uh, really, really took me under their wing and taught me how to be a pro. And, was it more of what uh, Larry was doing, or was it 
also some of what he was saying? Both. Both. What were some of the things he was saying? Well, he he would just give knowledge. So okay. he would he would he would teach us how to take care of our body. Um, it might sound silly, but he taught me about massages. He taught okay. me sure. he taught me how to get in the ice tub and do different things. He 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 mentioned he talked to me about being a professional. That, and that's the biggest thing. If, if anybody knows or watches Larry Fitzgerald, everything is professional with and him. Totally respected. All across the league. E- everywhere. You know what I mean? And Couldn't that, find one person that doesn't like this guy. And that's, and that's after a tough game and with the media. That's no, no matter what, after losing seasons, after tough games, he's always been professional. So just seeing, seeing with my eyes him doing that and then him teaching me how to do that and understanding that he always taught me the media's your ally. They're never against you. Right, they have to do their job. They do. But, we but, do. But yep. they're your allies. They're they're with you, and you don't have to answer anything. That's they 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 will ask questions, but your answers, you control how you answer. Put it that way. You control how you answer any question they give right. you. And if you always answer the questions, they you will be respected, mm-hmm. um, even after a tough loss. So that that was one of the biggest things he did. And after working with them. That's going to my second year. That's the best year I ever had. Nine hundred seventy-nine yards. So you had none of that, and the, yeah, you were real close to a thousand yards. None yeah. of that sophomore slump stuff. No, at no. All. It was, it was just things just started open up. It was just, a you, career-changing year for me. It was because of Jerry Sullivan and Larry Fitzgerald and what I learned from those guys. Um, you know, I just from what I learned with them, I kept in touch, and then we kind of carried on for the rest. But. That that year was a life changing year for me. It was it was huge. So I can't thank them enough. You know, we always hear this stuff about wide receivers being divas, mm-hmm. and that's probably just an over. It's kind of an overblown term, don't you think? For most guys, for most guys, for most guys that are in yeah, the league, for most guys, yeah, you have a few that live up to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to be honest, but for the most part, you know. Um, those guys are not that they're they're not divas and when i think of a diva i think that's somebody that's you know always thinking about themselves mm-hmm. um, somebody that wants all the shine they want the ball all the time and to be honest every receiver wants the ball every receiver wants targets that, that's what we do I, I don't i don't think you i don't think you should go out on the football field and, and hope not to have a one catch right. you know right. everybody wants to win but it's a lot nicer to win if you've got eight balls and 115 oh, yards absolutely absolutely you want to be a contributor and you have to depend on you know the quarterback to get you the ball so you always you always want that that you have that urge that drive to to get the ball and most, to be honest, like you said, most guys aren't divas. Uh, we just get excited when when things happen and when things go well. And I was always taught to celebrate your victory. So yeah, and that's kind of a cool thing. Well, you mentioned Fitzgerald. Uh, I also want to bring up Chris Chambers' um, name because that will kind of go into a little sidebar here with you talking about your camps coming yes, up. Yes. You went to a camp when Chris Chambers, former Bedford High School star, NFL receiver, had a camp over at Bedford Bearcat yep. Stadium. Yep. Uh, and that affected you a lot, didn't it? It affected me big time. I, it's memories there. I remember getting a quarterback of the camp. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, you know, getting to compete against some of the best kids in the city, the Glenvilles, the Ignatiuses, the St. Ed's. Um, all the city schools there so it was uh and then we get to meet different guys that uh, played at the big 10 level or wisconsin's um there was a few pros there so it was just exciting and something to look forward to every summer mm-hmm. um and it was it was a high school camp but it was it was an amazing time an amazing experience and it led me to 
I always told myself, whatever I have the opportunity, I want to be able to do, deliver what he did to us. And that's what you have. And we're here talking on the 6th of June, but your first camp that you have here in Northeast Ohio is on the 15th. Is that right? No, uh, 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 June 22nd. 22nd. And that will be, that will be at your old high school. At Collinwood High School. And these are free camps for kids. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't want the parents, the kids have to worry about anything. I understand I've been in their position. I understand um, the summertime, um, you, you want to find somewhere for your kids to have fun. You want to, and sometimes it costs money. But for these camps, June 22nd um, at Collywood Stadium, ages 7 through 13, it's a free kids camp. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have some current pros, some former pros, but most importantly, um, your child will be able to get out the house, have a good time, get some, get some free lunch. Um, so if you're interested, you can sign up at cs3football.com. cs3football.com. Yes, yes. And it's a lot of fun. It's something that we've been doing for, I think this is the third year. Okay. Um, but we hit uh, at least three different areas every year. So this year we're doing Houston June 15th. We come back to Cleveland. We go uh, June 22nd. And then we go to Alliance, Ohio, where my alma mater. Oh, my mater, Mount Union. Mount Union, June 29th. So we're really excited about that. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, you were talking about, you know, beginning to see the, the, the world that's out there. You first had to see what was in front of you. Yes. And what was in front of you as a kid was your dad was a coach. He yes. still is. Yes. And there is a tremendous amount of influence that comes from having a father that leads other people as well. And you see that yeah. as a kid, no? Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've watched my dad for the last 20 plus years um, teaching coach and the the impact he has had on lives is is impeccable. And you you kind of, growing up, I guess I took it for granted because he's my dad. I'm like, oh, he's a football coach and he's a teacher, or, you know, whatever. But looking back and talking to former players of his and talking to former teammates of mine that were under him, they love him. They appreciate everything he did for them. And sometimes you don't understand it at that moment. You know what I mean? You're yeah. like, why is he so hard on me? Or why is he, <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. But looking back, it's like, you see the impact he's had on so many lives. I mean, I've watched him get up at four or five in the morning, going and picking up kids from school um, for our 6 a.m. workouts. But if he didn't pick them up, they weren't coming to school, period. Yeah. You know what I mean? I watched him go out after school, after practice, take kids home. And it might be as simple as buying, you know, um, a McDonald's sandwich for a dollar, but that was their dinner. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the impact that he's had on multiple kids, and he's coached everywhere in the city. He has. Um, from yeah. assistant at Glenville for many of years, which is his alma mater, to a head coach at Collinwood for a, lot, for a period of time in South and East. And it's just tons of places. Now I'm assistant at Brush where my little brother's playing. Yeah, he's, that's the youngest of the shorts. Yeah, he's the youngest, <laughs> starting quarterback. So he's, he's, he's excited about his opportunity. Um, but to see the impact he's had on, on so many people's lives, it just motivated me to be able to say, to try to do the same, you know what I mean? To try to be, see if I can impact as half as many people as he did, you know, that would be outstanding. So I can't thank enough of uh, him for his leadership. And it's not only him. You can look at, you know, a guy down the street named Ted Gein, or you can look at yeah. um, any, any high school coach that is really pouring into their kids. Um, and then my dad's staff was amazing. He had a guy named Reggie Walker, a guy named Joe Brozak, a guy named Anthony Gaffney, just many guys that were good men. And you can appreciate a, a good, positive role model in these day and times. I see so many great people in, in the high school football uh, realm here in Northeast Ohio. That's what makes it one of the best in, in all of America, basically. The, the talent that comes out of here where kids can come from Collinwood High School, they can go to Mount Union, they can go to the National Football League. 
and um, and to do what you accomplish that's very laudable to you and to the coaches your dad and people like that so that's that's very very cool let's go back to Mount Union mm-hmm. what was the atmosphere like there was, I mean again you said the Alabama of D3 so much competition to play yeah and so much talent that was there how did the Karras's run things uh, how regimented was it could you really be a free spirit in that kind of an environment or what it's it's crazy so you definitely could be a free spirit um but the way they run things is you know you we don't put it like this my freshman class was close to 200 kids coming in just on football alone right so how do you prove yourself with 200 kids from all over the country (laughs) from all over the country um so you really had to fall in line because their mindset is they, they don't say it but the way they run things is we don't need you to win. We've won here without you. We've won national championships without you, but we will want you. We want you to help us win. Yeah. And as a freshman, it's real humbling because everybody that comes in as a freshman, you were good at high school. You were all district or all conference or whatever the case, team captain, whatever it was. So you really have to humble yourself and buy into what the Karis's have going on. Gotcha. And if you do that, if you humble yourself and really buy in, you can be a very impactful player and be and be a part of something very special. And I think it's I think that's what it is. It's not about you. It's about the team. Our goal each and every year is to win a national championship. And that's something that a lot of schools, no matter what division you are, don't get the chance to do. And we get in my five years there, we played every single year. The last thing, 13 or 14 years, we only missed one. So if you think about it, that's something so special. And if you want to be a part of it, you have to buy in. You have to buy in by what it's saying. And it's not nothing crazy. Um, they do an awesome job. They have an awesome staff that can relate to the players, that can relate to the guys. Um, and they do a great job of looking after us, making sure we're going to class. And to be honest, a lot of those guys that were on the staff when I was in school, I mean, Matt Campbell, head coach at Iowa State. Yes. To uh, Jason Candle, head coach at Toledo. You know what I mean? And it's multiple guys. Grinch, I think he's at Ohio State. Um, it's multiple guys from that staff, from the team, um, that end up going to the staff that are at big-time places right now. Um, and the Cares do an awesome job. They, they took care of me when I was there, took care of my brother when he was there. I, I just can't thank them enough. But they have a system they run. Mm-hmm. And if you buy in – Everything will be fine. But if you don't, you'll weed yourself out really, really quick. And a lot of guys, to be honest, a lot of guys transfer because they can't handle it. Yeah. They can't handle school. They can't handle um, the demands that it takes to be a good football program. You know what I mean? So, um, it, like I said, it's, it's very humbling. you got to buy in, and, and maybe that's a good segue to um, the current uh, NFL football team here in town that you've been a fan of for so many years mm-hmm. but haven't been able to really enjoy. Um, you know, Freddie Kitchen saying, you know, if you're not wearing orange and brown, you don't matter, mm-hmm. and all those types of things. What are your impressions so far of what's been building here in Cleveland, and where do you see it going? <laughs> well, I'm excited first off. Um, I think uh, John Dorsey has been very, very aggressive, and, you know, he's put some good things together in Kansas City, got those guys rolling, and now he's come here, and I think he's put a good collection of, of players together, some big-time players. Yeah. And I think that's what you want to do when you have your quarterback on that rookie contract. Um, when you're able to spend money on other players, other pieces to get in, that's the time when you want to take advantage. And Baker, uh, I know he's only a second year, but he seems like he has the it factor um, at that position. And when you surround him with weapons like Odell Beckham, yeah. like Jarvis Landry, 
um, like David and Joku, like Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, um, and then you have a, a good offensive line, you're putting yourself in a great position moving forward. And they also have good pieces on defense as well. So it brings a lot of hope as a fan. You're just excited to yeah. see some type of excitement about the Cleveland Browns. Because like we mentioned earlier, I've seen two winning seasons in my 31 years of living. Um, so in one of the winning seasons, we didn't even go to playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think we we're like 10 and 7. Yeah, 10 and, 10 and 6 didn't get you there. And <laughs> didn't, didn't get in. So, and we had two Pro Bowl. I think it was Braylon Edwards. Yeah, Braylon and, you know, Derek, Derek Anderson, Anderson, a great year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and nothing to show for yeah, it. So to see this excitement, you know what I mean? I haven't seen it uh, from a Browns perspective from, and, and from a fan in, in a very long time. Mm hmm. So it, it's pretty cool. And it has some big names here. You know what I mean? Odell Beckman is, is, is prime time. He's box office. You know what I mean? So to have him here, to have a Miles Garrett, to have a Baker Mayfield, a Jarvis, to have these big names here, it, it, it's a big deal. And especially now that LeBron has left, right? Yeah. So look at it from a perspective. When LeBron was here, the whole national media was here. When he left, kind of everybody left as far as national. Now yeah. you bring all Odell and Jarvis and everybody. Now the national media is coming back and bringing attention to – the city of Cleveland, blue-collar town, you know what I mean? So any attention that we give that's good, I, I love to see. And you see, obviously, they were teammates at LSU, and they're now their teammates once again. Yes. No problems with those guys meshing no. and no. with uh, no one's going to be counting the amount of catches they have no. and that stuff. I think the biggest thing is they both are paid. When, when, you're, when you're a young NFL well player. Well paid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When you're a young NFL player, you really want to get to that second contract <laughs> and make sure you get paid. Both of those guys have gotten paid. Um, and I think they play together at LSU, and they understand that now it's about winning. Yeah. They have a chance to do something special um, at the highest level that you can be. And if sure. I'm not mistaken, their wide receiver coach at LSU was a wide receiver coach uh, here with the Browns. Adam so Henry, yes. He understands those two. So I think he, as well as Jarvis and Odell, holding each other accountable and being there for each other, he understands those guys because he was a part of, I'm sure, the recruiting process and dealing with those guys at LSU. So he understands them the best. So I think they're in a the perfect position to succeed. They have a dynamic, outstanding young quarterback. And where you live, Houston's got the same kind of a, you know, oh, yeah. a talent. What's it been like, you know, you're doing some media down there, yeah. being around that team with a young, dynamic quarterback like Watson? Man, Watson is, is, is something about his aura. And he's only 23 years old. And you have J.J. Watt listening to him when he speaks. You have Jonathan Joseph, a 14-year vet, listening to him when he speaks. He commands the room when he walks in. And that's something that you want. And the Houston, honestly, has been been begging for since they've been here. You know what I mean? Since they uh, Texans have been created. So um, he is somebody that's extremely special. I think him and Baker are two guys that will have their battles yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, going forward because those two guys are really, really special. And um, it's going to be fun watching these guys grow up and, and achieve all the accomplishments they can do. But um, Deshaun is, is special, man. He can, He's a pass-first guy. And I think last year, behind a bad offensive line, he had to do a lot of moving and running and, and getting out of there. And he actually had a, a punctured lung and some, and some cracked ribs where he had to drive a bus to a game. <laughs> and when you're a teammate of his and you see the effort that he's giving to drive from Houston to Jacksonville to play in the game and y'all win the game, you're winning your teammates over. So uh, he's a true leader, he's a true competitor, and he is uh, something special to watch. Well, you've been around them doing some media stuff. What type of stuff are you doing, and how's that been for you? It's been well. So I do the post-game show for the Texans. I'm on 610 Sports Radio down there, and I also do um, weekly radio. So I come in every Wednesday, um, the 4 p.m. hour, and do a show. 
and then um, also um, they kind of had me like uh, I'm not Adam Schefter, but any any news that's going on. Ah, the insider. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of the insider, just just a little bit, not not too much. <laughs> Cecil's <laughs> shorts. They got a cool name for it, or what? <laughs> nah, nah, nah. But you know, I'm still close with a lot of guys in the Texans organization. So yeah, yeah you have ties, and it's, those, it's those contacts should there. be used. Yes, yes. So. Any information I get that doesn't burn bridges, that you know, I'm not, I'm not yeah. got it, you know. So any information that doesn't burn bridges that I can share, um, I definitely give, and it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. It's, it's different being on from going from a player to the media, but I enjoy it. It's a lot of hard work. So yeah. I, and I'm nowhere near with doing what you have done <laughs> at all. You've been doing this for a lot I've of years. I've been doing it a long time. You've been great at what you've done, um, but it, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's cool. Well, it's been a transition, too, and can we speak yeah. about that? Can we talk yeah. a little bit about it? You tore your ACL, your MCL, your PCL, every CL that there is, <laughs> you tore, yeah. and I'm sure, you know, you you held out hope that you could come back and play. How devastating was that initially, and, and how did you come to grips with it after after that? It was tough. It was tough. I was always told you go out three ways. You You get cut. You get injured or you retire on your own. And very mm. few people get to retire on their own. You got to be very special to retire on your own. You know what I mean? So when I got injured, nobody wants to go out that way. Sure. Um, and it's something I battle with because the rehab is extremely strenuous. Yeah. Um, it's constant pain all the time. And, and, you know, when I came to the realization, the doctor's like, yeah, listen, the chances of you going back and playing are slim to none. It was it was heartbreaking because I didn't want to experience that at that moment. Um, I knew I knew my time was coming to an end because for me I was going from a, a number two receiver to a number three to a role player. When you get to that role player, I figured okay I can hop on a few teams and be you know sign a one year two year deal, just be a professional. Yeah, be the savvy vet. Be the savvy vet. You know, and last you know ten years. I told my wife we'll get ten years and we'll get out, but I got six, and. Um, and you didn't get that decision, or you didn't and get you that. Didn't, and that's the biggest thing. You don't get. You didn't get to choose. Yeah. And you go out the way, that way. You know what I mean? It's like, ah. Uh, but over time, uh, I think the first year and a half, I was, I was close to being, if not depressed, because it's that hard to deal with. Sure. So it's all you know. You were consumed with this for your. Yeah, I mean, you were the whole life, life was football, and that's how you were portrayed. That's how you were viewed. Um, and then I fell in love, and it might have been because of my journey, right? Division three, Collinwood. I yep. fell in love with people knowing who I am. So when you go somewhere, people know who you are. Oh, you're this receiver. You, oh, you're that. You mean you're knowing that. you, the, the guy fame. that came out of the guy that came out of smaller football circumstances, the overcomer guy? Is that what you <laughs> wanted to be known as, or did you just want to? You wanted to be known as I'm an NFL. You know, I played in the NFL for six years. I think both. Okay. You know, I think just because the, that first story is phenomenal. It is. It is. But I think just the the fame. People, I mean, people have said it before. Fame is addicting. When people know who you are, that's addicting. And for me, I never really had that. So when I got to to feel that, sure. it was a great feeling. Awesome. So when I got hurt, and you know, time and football is being played without me being in it, it was tough to deal with. What's this? What's why is this game still going on and I'm not involved? Yes, in yes, and that's something I knew for a long period of time. You know what I mean? Something I gave my all to. So once, uh, you know, I I kind of I kind of worked through that. You know, I really. Um, you know, like I said, my agent's been awesome. My wife has been awesome. Yeah. Really started pursuing, you know, other things outside of the game of football and, and realizing, LeBron says it all the time, I'm more than an athlete, right? I, I can do more than what, you know, I've been wired to do for so long. 
Um, so once I realized that and, and come to grips with, you know, it's okay not to play. It's okay to, you know, make an impact in the community constantly. Absolutely. It's, it's okay to do other things. You know, that that's what's when I kind of got comfortable. Okay, boom. It's all right not to play football. It's, it's okay. Uh, and I rest and I really came to grips with it and, and been all right. And, of course, one of your huge identities is being a dad. Uh, and yes. <laughs> you aren't a dad of just a couple of kids. What is going on in the Shorts household? How many now? You have triplets. You just so had tri- seven. seven. My wife and I God have seven. bless you. Yeah. Seven under the age of eight. Wow. So and I'm, you were one of many, no? Yes, or, I was the oldest of six. You're, yeah. you're the sixth of, of, of six. Six kids. Well, so I'm, the, I'm the oldest of six. You're the oldest of six. You're, yeah. the, you're the first one of the Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So... Your wife and you were you had four kids, and your wife, who you met at Mount Union, yes, no? yep, uh, lovely gal. She says, "Let's have another one." And they, w- oh, so that- let me tell you that story real quick. Um, <laughs> so we have four. It was two boys, two girls. Boy, girl, boy, girl. And I'm like, this is perfect. So my wife comes to me one day and says, I think I want to have one more. And I said, why? Like, it's perfect. You can take two, I can take two. Zone defense. You can, <laughs> you can have two girls, I can have the two boys, or we can go girl, hey, boy, awesome. whatever you want to do. <laughs> and uh, she's like, no, I really, think, I really want to have for one more. So we tried for one more. She ended up being pregnant. And the doctors uh, told us that, you know, we were pregnant. So we're excited. Two weeks later, we go to the doctor, and they tell us we're having twins. So I'm like, wow. I was excited, but I was nervous. Oh but I'm like, we got this. You know, it's one of, one of each weekend. You know, at nighttime, we can double team it. We'll be good to go. So we go back to the doctor two weeks later. And they're like, hey, we found one more. I'm like, time out. What do you mean you found one more? <laughs> I'm like, how do you find another baby? I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, so we're having triplets? And they're like, yes. So I walked out. I had to say a prayer. I'm like, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, Three are babies. you out there? <laughs> Oh, yeah, so and then we found out they were all girls. I'm like, okay, so I have five girls now and two boys. But it's, it's, been, it's been outstanding. It's been a blessing. They're all healthy. They've been strong. Um, my youngest son has heart surgery about two or three months ago, but he's recovered fine. He's completely back to normal. He was three years old. He is three years old. But our triplets have been, uh, they're nine months now, and they're fully healthy. They're scooting around. They're, they're doing awesome. So it's been to be honest, it's a lot of work, but it's very rewarding. Even at this young age, it's very rewarding um, seeing them, you know, do well in school. Just the little achievements they do around the house. So it's been a lot of fun. We're always busy, I tell you that. There's always something going on in the Shorts household. <laughs> God bless you, my friend. It was really a, it was a delight to catch up with you. And best of luck at the camps. And Thanks. best of luck as you move forward with the, uh, the Shorts 7. Hey, I appreciate you, man. And once again, a word about those football camps. This coming weekend, and that would, of course, be the weekend of Father's Day, Cecil has a camp taking place actually down in the Houston area. Then the following weekend is when he will have his camp at Collinwood High School. And then the week after that, the end of the month of June, the camp down in Alliance where Mount Union is located. And as for the Shorts family and the talent that has played football and has been involved in sports over the years. Cecil's the oldest, and the youngest, A.J., is a very good young quarterback for the Brush Arcs here in Northeast Ohio. 
I hope you enjoyed the interview with Cecil and look forward to doing more of these types of interviews with people in the sports world, not just in the Cleveland community, but those that affect sports in general throughout the United States of America and beyond. So if you like, please subscribe and rate and if possible, even share. And thanks once again to Cecil Shorts for the great conversation and to you for listening. And we'll see you the next time on Tellage Talks.